Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Green Series Podcast. This is episode 62. We are honored this week by the presence of none other... Oh, 63, my bad. Rookie. By the presence of none other. I'm just... I'm so starstruck right now. I know. Like, you see me all the time. That's why I got the episode number mixed up. It's Brian Sesley, everybody. Oh, he's here? And we need a soundboard with sound effects. I can do an applause. Top. Yeah. Of the evening to you, boys. Uh, Brian Sedgley had come back from Ireland oh, about a week or so oh. ago. We we missed him uh, just terribly on the podcast. Oh, I missed you guys but a week. Anyways, bit. did you find your lucky charm? But before we get into tonight's, hey, that's that's um, that's Lancist. It's not racist, but <laughs> nation nation cyst. Yeah, you find your pot of gold. Dude, it was you know oh that? my god! I've never seen so many daggone rainbows. Really? Oh my god! Double well, rainbows, well, rainbows there, rainbows there, here. It was- well, before we start, before we start talking about rainbows, Jason, what is the giveaway <gasps> for the month of November? That's a good. Yeah, one. I don't, I don't know if Sedge uh, has heard it yet. So we're doing TSO products again, Sedge. Oh, I lost and- last month too. You Can did. I, oh. This this month they are giving away the MTRX multifunction precision triangle set to one Get lucky that. winner. Fifty uh all fifty states, open to all fifty states, US. And to enter, all you need to do is go to greedsuiterspodcast.com, fill out the entry form for your chance to win. Thank you, TSO products. You're awesome. Woo! Alrighty. Now that we've got that out of the way. Oh, and also Steve Iterola. He's like literally been every time I've done the giveaway, the name spin. It's right there. I he's saw. He's been it. Yeah. the one below yeah. <laughs> every time. Sorry, Steve. I should start off every giveaway with not winning this month. Oh, Steve yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what we should call it, the Steve Iterola giveaway. You'll because he never gets it. Yeah, you'll get it one of these days, Steve. Maybe. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, you've only got 12 chances a year to win it, so. But I think, I, I, I kind of want to save Sedge for last okay. for what we've been up to. So, Jason, you go first. What have you been up to this week? Uh, working at Festool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you get Sedge's coffee maker ready and no but man i'll tell you what basket? You, you want to talk he came back to work on monday from ireland and sedge takes every opportunity possible to, <laughs> to talk about me being the intern and getting coffee uh <laughs> he is he's really loving did he this have like, <laughs> did he have like an intern do list for you waiting no no it's been great um it was it was quite a bit quieter when Sedge wasn't there. It is like noticeably different, Sedge, when you're there and when you're not there. It's like an energy. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm an entity. Um, yeah, a, a Sedge energy. <laughs> um, um, honestly, that's that's all I've really been up to. Leo's fourth birthday party was this weekend, so Patrick and Michelle and Ed and uh, Rick and Melinda and Sedge. Or Brian and Marianne, Brya, um, and then some Brian. kids from the daycare. It was just a great time. We had an awesome party. The weather was perfect. 
Um, got to use the Did dining Max room. Give him some good got gifts? to use the dining room table. That, that Patrick nice. and, I, and Michelle were there. It. Yeah, it was nice hand. hanging out with Michelle, but Patrick. <laughs> hey, you know. When I was given a tour <laughs> with with uh, with them, I would introduce them to everybody. I go, "Hey, everybody, this is Michelle." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Festool. <laughs> No, and he, t- he told t- Minnie, he told Minnie uh, the day before, like, hey, tomorrow when Patrick and Michelle get here, you know, introduce yourself to Michelle and stuff and say, you look familiar. Do you, you're the one that makes mouse pads, right? So. <laughs> she did. Oh, but it was, it was amazing the way she did it. That's why I was calling you over, Sedge, because you were just sitting at my desk and Patrick and Michelle were standing there because I knew Minnie was coming. I, I, that's why I was like trying to pull you over so you could hear it. But she, uh, <coughs> she walks up and she's like, oh, so nice to meet you. Um, heard so much about you. You guys make great stuff, blah, blah. She looks at Patrick. She goes, you make something. She said something like, you make something, right? Mouse pads, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> It was, oh I, and she was like, st- like, st- like perfect, did, straight face, didn't skip a beat. It was absolutely amazing. That cost me How five bucks. React? That cost me five bucks. I gave her five bucks. Patrick didn't know what to say. It was Patrick really funny. <laughs> he was stunned. Yeah. He's just like unbelievable. Oh, that's, that's pure gold. That is pure yeah. gold. It's been, hey, you know what? Coming back, it's been fun hanging out with you. But I, I knew I was getting a little thick there toward, well, the other day because you said, you know, Sedge, in front of everybody, I don't think I need to hang out with you on the weekends anymore. I get oh, enough yeah. of my fill during the week. It was Brent. Brent was standing there. Yeah. Um, no, it's been it's been awesome. Uh, I was out today. I had a, a really long appointment today, so I did not go in. It was kind of like a last minute they could get me in. Um, so I went to that and, uh, tomorrow I'll be up there with Sedge another day where I think tomorrow we're going to start going over some tools, right? Domino training, sir. In the morning, starting with the domino. Yep. Yep. Can't wait. Jason, is there, is there anything that you've experienced so far at Festool? Like maybe just one thing that you just thought was like the coolest thing, but maybe it's something that you didn't really expect you would, and I'm not saying like products, you know, like upcoming products or anything, but the, things you can't talk about. But was there just a, a facet, a, a something cool at Festival? You're like, man, I had no idea that this was going to be so cool. Um, I and you know, uh, like a little tidbit sat, that no one else would be able to experience. Yeah, I sat in on. I've sat in on a few meetings now, and I would say I like that because it's new to me and it's being a content creator and having to deal with people that are in the marketing side of things. Cause I'm interning with the marketing department. Um, mm-hmm. but I find it fascinating. Um, just the way that they, you know, how, the way that some things are discussed and talked about and plans and how they look at things and, you know, money associated with each thing. I like that. I think that's interesting, and, and I'm I'm really excited to get to see the other, other side of it. Because not only is it cool to like know more about the company that you like so much, but it's also, it's obviously going to be beneficial for me in the long run. I mean, if I continue doing content creation, I mean, you knowing the lingo yeah. and, uh, you know what data they're looking at and all that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, that's going to be extremely helpful for me. So, 
I'd say that's probably the biggest I, I, thing. I think it would be cool to, to see uh, a campaign from its beginnings all the way until its completion and seeing if <clears throat> seeing like, okay, were we right in the beginning based off of what we thought were we right in the end or, you know, what we were wrong about, what were we right about? That's the stuff that I, that really try being in a forecasting meeting of how many oh, pieces sure we want manufactured and how it's going to be manufactured. And I've been in one or two of those over the years and I'm like, huh? And boy, whew. it's not just us. I mean, this country's Italy. Oh my God. They miss. Oh. Sometimes they miss forecasts because they don't believe that they're going to sell stuff. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And 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 that, it's always a gamble. It's a, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was. And I'm not talking. I'm not talking during COVID and supply chain. I'm talking way before that, in like the late, mm -hmm. you know, 2009s, 2010s. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you know what? Rick and I were discussing yesterday. You were in a really cool meeting with us yesterday. Uh, yeah. With Cl with Clint. Our yeah. CEO, that was really cool, and I was like, wow. "That was, that was that that meeting specifically is the one that I'm talking about. That that was pretty eye opening, just to see, um, just really cool. I, I like that stuff. I like being there. It's fun. Um, all the people that I've met so far, it's been a good time. But I am excited to start actually doing some, uh, you know, more in depth training on the tools themselves uh, tomorrow. Which, you know, getting in as much as we can before Hartville, obviously, will be. Oh yeah, good for me, and um, that's that should be fun. So, Mister Concur, he's even on uh, signing up with expense reports and signing up for travel. That's pretty cool. No big deal. They have a system Ben called Concur that they use. It's very similar to DTS for us in the army. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, I got to. You mean Satan's? You mean Satan's database? That <laughs> yeah, Satan's database. Yeah, DTS. What about you, Ben? <laughs> what have you been? Uh, up to so i'm i'm sending you guys a picture right now this was how my afternoon went why are you not wearing any this underwear was probably yeah what's up with that three hours man we you um, smuggling sausage oh <gasps> smuggling yo-yos so i i just sent what? jason and sedge a picture of my motorcycle it's supposed to be on the road we're not in water is there a hurricane oh, no, there i took it I, I took it on a in a mountain or in a on a mountain today, because I have that skid plate. And, uh, put some off uh, off road tires on it, and uh, I went off roading. It looks and so. It looks like you, it. So that so trying to describe this picture to everyone, my bike is is sitting up past the pegs in water, um, with the front wheel almost covering like the top of the wheels almost covered in water because I <laughs> hit a deep rut. The front of the bike did. Um, and it's, it's standing straight up stuck in the mud. So it's, it's wedged in there pretty good. Uh, that was, uh, on the top of a second mountain range, Holy crap. literally out in the middle of nowhere. There's no one else around me. <clears throat> and my bike weighs 520 pounds. And, I, I couldn't move it. I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. And this was like three, again, three hours ago. I'm like, I have the podcast tonight. I'm, you know, out here in the, you know, there's no one out here. Holy crap. And, uh, Please tell me it's not still there. Yeah. No. no okay. No. You left the, you left to watch the YouTube video to, to see how I got it out. <laughs> he heard, he heard but, um, banjo music and wait. he went to go get some friends. 
is yeah is this uh, all filmed yes i, oh, I cannot yes, wait I, oh, I can't wait <laughs> yeah it's really good dude you know the the mountain that i that i rode or not a mountain it's it's it was a jeep trail okay and when people describe like off-road trails they use like really weird terminology like baby heads which indicates like the kind of rocks that are just laying on this trail when i'm saying that this entire thing was nothing but jagged rocks this thing was nothing but jagged rocks wow like only jeeps that have really high flexible suspension go on this trail and i was just like I've never ridden off road before. So let me yeah, try natu- the naturally, thing it's that a I good idea probably... to take your motorcycle yeah. that has yeah. two wheels. Yeah, good. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and no suspension. You know, um, Holy crap. the the front wheel is probably smaller than what I should be riding it with. But let me tell you, man, it took me four hours to go ten miles. Holy crap! Like that's how rugged <laughs> this trail was, and I am. Right now, I am beat. Like, my arms hurt. My hands hurt. All of my joints hurt. Um, like, I've, I've not done this type of riding ever. <coughs> I've done it a little bit for, like, you know, a couple hundred feet just to try it out when I had my other wow. motorcycle. But uh, it was definitely an experience. My, uh, my cruise control no longer works. Uh, my hand guards are somewhere on the mountain. I got a couple extra scrapes on it. The the uh, the belly pan that I ordered from Sin Cut Sin, it got destroyed. <laughs> it's still on there, but it, man, that thing got banged up really bad. Holy crap! I'm, I'm gonna take it off and look at it, but I mean, it definitely did its job. I'm glad I had it. But um, I can't wait to see the video. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. The video is gonna be really good. It was that was by far the most challenging thing that I've done in in a very long. I can't time. wait to see the thumbnail. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. That that needs to be the thumbnail. That yes. picture. That's all you need. Oh no, I I, I have a better thumbnail. Oh, cool. Okay. Dude, that you know, that is probably the hardest thing to do is to film when you're actually trying to solve a problem. Yeah. It is it is so freaking yep. hard. Cause you're like, okay, I you know, and this is a situation where again, I was out in the middle of nowhere, there was no one else around me. I was literally stuck on the top of a mountain in this huge <clears throat> bowl of water, stuck, and I'm like, "What am I gonna do?" And so, like, while I'm like frustrating, like trying to pull this thing out and try to push it and try to put logs under the tires and stuff, I'm like, "Oh, I should probably film this." I'm like, God, I'm like I really don't want to. Yeah. Because I want to solve this problem, but you know, okay, well, let me make sure I frame it right. Let me make sure that I have this right. Let me. Have, oh, God. And you're trying to. You're probably trying to get out of there, of course. And then if you did oh, yeah. if you did film it, you'd be riding yeah. home going, ah, you know what? That would have made really it, cool video. Yeah, and there wouldn't be a story to no. tell, you know, or, or to show. But um, this again, this was not the only hole that I got stuck in. So, wow, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> so I'm, I'm incredibly tired right now. Wow. <laughs> Cool. Mr. Sedgley. Yes, sir. We heard the whispers through the through the fields that you're in a faraway country. Yes, sir. Where's I can't I can't even I can't even a, a say little that. bit of a lucky I can't a little bit of a lucky place to, to find yourself <laughs> for two weeks. Tell us all about your trip to Ireland. 
Wow, getting there was... I didn't know if we were going to get there even the night before. I had a backup plan. Really? For vacation, yeah. Why? My uh, sister-in-law was, and my brother-in-law, Marianne's sister, and Deborah and Robert, just were just good friends, too. She started getting a head cold, I think, five days before. She's a nurse. Oh, man. And she kept testing every day, twice a day to make sure she didn't have COVID. So the day before, she said to Marianne, I'm so sorry, and because I don't feel good. And then that morning, she felt better. She got on the plane. They met us in Atlanta, and we got to Ireland. And when we landed, I went, we're here. It's time to have some fun. Jeez, and that's when you should have gotten COVID. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we were exhausted. Like, I can't. I can't leave. I got COVID. Yeah, man, you know what? We did not want to leave. We did not want to get on the plane to Dublin, from Dublin back to the States. We had such a good time. Two, so about halfway through, I said to Robert, Deborah, and Marianne, I go, two words that have described this trip for you. How are you going to describe Ireland in two words? I, mine was Guinness and sheep. <laughs> <laughs> And it, yes, both those things together. Oh my God! Um, some more words. It rain, 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 rain. It rained every day, and I don't care because I found out it doesn't rain inside the pubs. <laughs> That's true. We had uh, we were on a, a tour, uh, and they they boy, it was really they kept us really busy. It was CIE tours. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cronin's Irish experience and do you, was wonderful. Do you, do you feel like? Do you feel like that? Like, I don't think I've ever done a, a like a traveling tour before. Do you feel like that it was beneficial? Yeah. Like, did you do you feel like you got to see when you guys were being kind of catered, you know, catted around? Do you feel like you had enough time in each place to really kind of soak it in and absorb it, or did? Did you feel like you were being kind of rushed? Okay, so great, great question. This is our first as well, and I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I don't know. Just the fact that I didn't have to drive over there because they drive on the opposite side of the road. I was freaking out at some points when I was first there going, oh, because I was sitting right out front. Um, but... It was worth every penny, and we are so glad we did it. And th there's a couple reasons. Um, one, I got to relax. I, d I wasn't the planner. I'm always the one. Yeah. Hey, Sag, or hey, Brian, what, what's next? What's next? And I, there was not, uh, toward the end, everybody's going, I don't know. So what I did is I planned this out, and we were on a bus for X amount of days. And I, I had heard that sometimes they really fill up the schedule. But there's there was one thing that I wanted to do, and I did not want to be rushed. I wanted to go to Guinness. Okay? Mm -hmm. And what I did is I told our travel agent, travel indie leaders, <laughs> Amanda. She's wonderful. There's a, there's a little... Everybody, uh, uh, the sponsor for tonight's video is Indie Travel Leaders out of Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I told her I want, I want a full day in Dublin. And at the end of the tour, everybody took off. We stayed an extra night. 
at the Grand Canal Hotel, and we walked all over Dublin. But we started the first thing in the morning at Guinness and did the whole uh, tour and ended up at the top of the Gravity Bar. And I got a couple of videos that are unbelievable. Uh, and the sun was out that morning, but it started to pour in the afternoon. There was one other thing that my brother-in-law wanted to do in Dublin, and we uh, got in the cab and went over. And I said, "Really, you want to do that?" He's a he. Wait, he grew up in a. You did what? He, we went to. He goes, "I want to go to the statue," and I go, "Who's the statue of?" And he goes, "Phil Linnet," and I went, "Who the hell's that?" He goes, "He was the lead guitarist for Thin Lizzy." He died of a heroin overdose. And I said, okay, where is it? He was showing me on Google Maps. I was like, let's just get in a cab and go, the four of us. We went mm. there. It's on Grafton Street. I didn't know anything about Dublin. It was like shopping paradise for the girls. We w went to a killer pub there called the Duke. It was, it, what a great day in Dublin. But that was the last day. On the tour, here's the benefit of a tour bus. If you get the right driver who's also the tour guide yeah his mm. name is sean walsh and just he'd been doing it you ready that doesn't sound very oh Irish. no no check that doesn't sound check, very check this out he's had his license for 40 years but he's been driving a tour bus for 30 and here's what's cool during like say we had a there was one day we were in a bus a lot because, of course, one of the number one attractions in Ireland is the Cliffs of Moher, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's we were on the bus in the morning, three hours, and on the bus back for another three hours, but not from Dublin and everything. We it was uh, we stayed in a castle for two days that night. Uh, what a oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, Kilron and, and what a great castle, but. He would do stops like every hour and a half. We did a rest stop. It was cool. But in that time frame of three hours or four hours or wherever we were traveling, he was giving us a history of Ireland. And he was he was a bard. He was a perfect storyteller. Mm. And the his his wit, oh my god, was he funny. And just it, it made it such a pleasant experience. So it rained a lot. We did Ring of Kerry. We did Blaney Castle, Cliffs of Moher. So somebody asked me, what was like, and they do all these cool things. We went to a coal mine. And I was like, we're going to a coal mine tour? It was wonderful. Because the, really? the view from the top of the mountain was incredible. Yeah. Um, so I said sheep, right? As we're traveling through the country and stuff, I'm going, God damn. Damn, there's a lot of sheep, <laughs> right? And they're all spread out, but they're in these, you know, um, hedgerow pastures. And man, you want to talk about mm. green? Holy crap, is it green over there? And uh, I said, how did they do this? We went to a guy who taught sheep dogs. He had the number one um, under three sheep dog, Irish, uh, um, Irish uh, national champion, and he had. You know, he raises sheepdogs. But his family, I think he's eight or nine generations of raising, he's a shepherd. And he gave a talk on this. And, the, and we were under a canopy and everything. And I had no idea how sheep naturally flock. But this dog was amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And we were, Marianne and I, because we love dogs, right? We were in complete awe. Yeah. We ended up going out of the canopy. We had our raincoats on, and we were standing in the rain watching this. Uh, and guess what? I think that was my highlight. It was incredible. Yeah, I bet, man. He's got 11. I bet. That sounds really cool. It is. And he gave he gave a history of shepherding and sheepdogs. And just, oh, my God. It sounds weird. You know, you go to Ireland, you drink a shit ton of Guinness and stuff. That's what everybody talks about. But, man, just in the middle of the country. And it was in uh, a really cool area called Sligo, just north of Sligo. So, yeah, okay, guys, I'm going back. I had the time of life. Uh, Michael uh, Leiden was texting me when I was over there. He goes, hey, streets are narrow, huh? <laughs> and I went, holy crap, are they narrow. Yeah, his, his his dad's Irish, Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He, uh, I yeah. think he is in um, oh Glasgow area, I think. Glas- oh, okay. Galloway area. Galloway area. Because he flies, so I think, how he, many days? when he goes over, he flies in a Shannon. How many days were you there? Okay, I think we were there a total of nine days. Then add on, then add on uh, a day. Yeah, eleven. Two. Yeah, I'll tell you what. The trip back. Oh my god, I was exhausted when I get in. I get in at eleven o'clock at night. Oh, and then the weekend before. You know how we changed time this weekend, this past weekend. They changed a week yeah. before us. So I went through two time changes. Really. Two time changes, and jet lag. Holy shit! I'm just starting to recover. Man. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I know that we just had the election soon, but let me tell you right now, for any potential politicians, your head runner needs to be, we're going to get rid of daylight savings. Yes. If you make that your head runner, you're going to win. Landslide. I'm so tired of it. I concur. I thought it was ending. Supposedly. Next year or something. Yeah. I think when we spring forward, the clocks are supposed to stay that way, but it hasn't passed fully, I think. There's, there's, I know that, I think the Senate passed it, but I don't know about the House. I'm not positive. Whatever. God, so stupid. I know, I think so. I hate it. Bits and Bits is a proud sponsor of the Green Suiters podcast and a distributor of the nation's best router bits for your shop. They feature shank sizes from an eighth to a half inch and have a wide range of diameters of upcuts, downcuts, compression bits, and more. They sell bits for your wood, aluminum, metal, plastic, acrylic, and foam projects, just to name a few. Their bits are suitable for hand routers, router tables, and even CNCs. Each and every bit is slathered in Astro Coating, which is a super secret sauce that prolongs the life of your bits, keeps them running cooler, and keeps the cutting edge razor sharp. If you want to save some cash, use our promo code HANS15 to save 15% at checkout. Head over to bitsandbits.com to find out more. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you guys got to go. I know that y'all have been y'all have pushed this off for so many years now and I know how well how much y'all look forward to it and you know you know you guys were going through stuff before the trip and so I was really happy to see that you guys got to go and and I'm happy to hear that y'all had such a great time. Oh yeah. What was Marianne's like what was her favorite thing? She loved the sheepdog thing. Like besides besides being with you, obviously you behave. You know what? It's not her favorite thing, but she was. I impressed her. Oh yeah. Uh, this is the first time in fifteen years I left my work phone and turned off everything. No emails, no voicemails. I left my work phone at home, and the way I impressed her is um, I didn't talk about work at all. That's man, awesome. you really must have been so you, relaxing. You, you unplugged, man. I, That's awesome. Guys, 
I kept hearing, oh, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. You know what? I was glad I did it. I had a boatload of emails. Are you ready for this one? <laughs> I was telling Clint this today. He goes, you really unplugged, huh? And I go, yeah, that's our CEO at Festool, Clint Chapman. The guy is a rock star. I was talking to him today in the hall, and he goes, do you have a lot of emails? I went, yeah, quite a few. About 110, I think. It's not a lot. Oh, that's easy. No, no, that's, that's easy. You just delete oh, it. Oh, you just delete them. You all. ready? I did. I, uh, <laughs> I I actually timed myself. In eight minutes, I pared it down to about 20. And truly, I had to answer only like three. Oh, that's not bad at all. And I was like, and I really gave it a lot of thought. I had three good voicemails. And I thought, you know what? That was, I'm going to do that all the time now. We're already planning next year. And we're planning uh, 2024. I think we're going to do an Alaska cruise in 2024. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so good, man. I'm glad you guys. Sorry, I gushed so what? much. No, no, you're still you're still on the high of of going of traveling. That's awesome. Then I came back and I found out at Festool I have somebody to work with. He's an intern. Uh, I would say work me. with. Oh, I would oh, say oh, give labor to. I'm sorry, ambassador. That's right. Intern is a very derogatory uh, term. It hurts my feelings. I'm so sorry. So, Jason, I don't know if I told you, uh, going forward, I'm no longer Sedge or Brian or Mr. Sedgley. You have to address me at all time and ask for me. Yes, El Conquistador. I'll do it. So, I'll do it tomorrow. Say, so it's, I, it's easy. I thought you were going to say master trainer. So it's easy to say <laughs> El Conquistador. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Jason, and if there's if there's like a meeting or anything, you got to treat Sedge like he's a sergeant major. Like instead of calling like the room to parade rest or at ease. Just scream you get, Capex. You just have to like announce him. Just Amen. scream Capex or Tracksaw. <laughs> tracksaw. Try to, Safe word. Try to, try to do... Try to do something like Game of Thrones. He like <coughs> the first operator of the dominoes, the first of his name, Slayer of the Capex, <laughs> Layer of the Trackstar. It is just so cool. El Conquistador, <laughs> Brian Sedgley. El Conquistador. <laughs> Thank you, that. El Conquistador. That's how we should open up one of your festival lives. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Uh, you know what? It is. It's cool because I walk in there in the morning and he's there. And I'm like, this is really cool. I get to hang out. It's yep. fun. I'll be there tomorrow morning, bright and early. Man, I'm stoked. You know, the, it's a work from home day, so it's going to be cool because a lot of people are not going to be there. We can get some training done. Yeah. I do hope Clint's there, though, because I, hey. I haven't talked to him since, since I've been there because he's been out. But yeah, we shall see. Speaking of... Speaking of Clint being there, Jason, you have a topic tonight. Uh, I do. And wh- how far are we? It's a really time bad is segue. <laughs> All right. Now we can chat about this for 30, 30 minutes. For a few minutes. Um, we're on this new schedule and routine with Leo and everything, and I've heard them crying a lot uh, since I've been out here, so oh, that man. should be interesting. Leo's been an angel since uh, I picked him up from school, but <coughs> not being an angel. All right, I'm just trying to bring it up so I can read the actual thing. So this is from Seth Keedle, who is one of our uh, patrons. And 
he actually gave me this idea a long time ago, and I've been meaning to, to get to it, and I, I don't know what made me think about it today, but the, what he wrote was, uh, is for us to have a discussion on automation versus building by hand, um, he says, I think it could go a lot of ways, i.e. domino versus hand-cut tenons, and then probably even more commonly debated today is CNC versus actual woodworking. So I, I think we should start, we're not going to like dive super deep and heavy into this, but I do think it's something worth talking about. Let's start with the CNC versus, you know, actual woodworking and, and what people say, because I'm interested to hear like what your guys' thoughts are on it now versus maybe say two or three years ago, right? When CNC's really started to become popular. I would say actually probably longer than that, you know, four years ago. Um, I'll share mine first. And I think that I was in the boat initially before I knew a lot about a CNC and before I owned a CNC is that I looked at it as um, what most people did in the beginning. It was like this cop out, you know, like, oh, it's a machine that does everything for you. That's not real woodworking. I, I felt that way initially, but I think that a lot of that was brought on by social media, right? Just falling into the trap that other people were saying as well. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I, uh, I went to the first time I ever had any kind of experience with a CNC in person was at Jay Bates shop, uh, while he still owned my now current Axiom CNC machine. Uh, we collaborated on a project and, uh, we designed a nameplate that had inlaid letters. Um, two different species of wood for Leo's uh, toy box. So I actually went out to his place for a couple of days and, you know, we, we made that. And I was standing with a guy who's very, very, very knowledgeable on that CNC machine and on CNC machines itself. And I, I'll tell you, it was not a super quick, easy process. It was far faster than it would have ever taken me to do it. But things got messed up. We sat there and had to watch it to make sure that it was doing the right thing. And um, it, it took a long time and that kind of changed my opinions on CNC machines because that's when I realized, wait a minute, this is just as much, uh, of woodworking or, um, as any other tool, right? It's just another tool that's doing the task. So, you know, the difference is, is that machine is making the cut. I don't have to do anything other than program it and send the code to the to the pendant and get it started, it's no different from me taking a jigsaw or a domino or running something through the table saw. The main difference is, is I could, if I wanted to, walk away from that machine and theoretically it could make that cut. But it's still completely dependent on how what I did. If I did something wrong, it's not gonna be right. Um, I look at it now as just another tool that enhances the capabilities uh, of woodworking. I don't, I don't care if you have an entire business of only making things on a CNC machine. Like I, I would still argue that that is woodworking because unless you're like going and buying pre-made panels and not sanding anything, and you're literally just putting stuff on a CNC, cutting it and then shipping it out, maybe you could make a case that that's not real woodworking at that point. That's just production. Um, it's, but there's other tasks that go along with it. So it's for me. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I, I'm, I'm skill, done. Please go. The skill with a CNC is your knowledge of setup and software. Where mm. 
the table saw, the jigsaw, that's all you. You have to have that skill. That's the skill of using a power tool. Okay, and then there's also the skill of using a hand tool. And that's where I think people, it's not about production. It's about the skill of it and the knowledge, the yeah. knowledge of programming a CNC. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Well, let me ask this. I, they, ben, let me ask. Th- let me throw this out there real quick, and then, uh, you know, you go into your answer. Doesn't Mif- I think well, I want to say Mafel? Somebody makes a track saw that basically you can put it on a track and it runs across the track and it'll cut on its own. You don't even have to touch the the saw. Is that any less automatically? That's yes, it's Mafel. Yep. Yeah. You, you put it on the track, it will, cu- it will make the cut by itself. You don't have to hold the, yeah, the saw. You, stand, up, oh my you God. stand on one side, say it's an eight-foot sheet of plywood. You, they have a button you push, it rips it all the way down, and then you retract it, and it comes back to you. Wow. So think about that, right? I think, I think they've sold one. Is that, any le- is that any less breaking down sheet goods than a track saw? Right. It's just another tool that can, you know, assist in the process. It's still accomplishing the same task at the end of the day. It's just doing it in a different way. But, you know, could you argue like, oh, that's the track saw I have. Okay, well, then you're not a cabinet maker. It's like, no, I'm, I'm still putting the cabinets together. It's just this is cutting it for me. I still have to set it up. So I don't know what made that pop in my head. Ben, go ahead. You know, all, all and Sedge already kind of said it. All of those things require a skill to to implement. And you know, I I I really cannot think of anything that you can say is has you know requires more skill or or oh. not or isn't really considered woodworking. <coughs> um, because f- for me, at the end of the day, I I just say, well, who the hell cares? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna go look at a finished piece of furniture, and be like, "Hang on, was that was that created by AI or was that created by humans or was that created by a track saw or was that created by exactly. a pull saw?" It it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's you know, maybe my brain operates on the extremes too much, but even even someone that says, "Oh, well, I do hand tools," oh well but you have electricity. Like, how did you see the mm-hmm. work? You have electricity, you have air conditioning, you have a building. Let's, let's up this game up, bro. Go out in the woods with nothing but a, a chunk of iron ore and fabricate yourself a tool, chop down a tree, and then bring me back a piece of furniture. Now we can, now we can crap talk each other, you know? You don't do that? But it's, it's, Yes, I have a I have a forge in the woods, and that's where I make all of my tools. Hey, I, you, what um, you just described was like loosely my life prior to the military. <laughs> you were in the hey, end. Thanks for listening to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you were in the end of all. I I mean I I hundred percent see um <coughs> see this this argument, and, and Jason, I, I remember that being a part of the, the zeitgeist back in the day too. But again, like at the end of the day, Jason, you're going to go in your workshop and do things the way you want to do it. 
I'm going to go in mine and do the way I want to do it. Sedge is going to do it the way he wants to do it. So why does it and really matter? It's you know? all woodworking. The reason I said yeah. the reason I said all about the skill was not to demean anything. It no, I wanted. I, I think to, it's a valid point. I, but yeah. that is where I think that peop that people say, "Oh, it's not true woodworking." That's BS. Okay, and and there's, I have a note here. There's wood that has been worked. Exactly. It's just like I get this all the time. Okay, about yeah, the domino. Oh, oh, that's cheating. I go. Okay, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Um, you see that tabletop over there? There's ten dominoes in it. Did you know that? How does how does Mrs. Smith know that you did a hand cut tenon? You, you're not gonna cut a door open or a. All right, hold on. Perfect segue. I, That's a perfect segue, actually, Sedge. I've got a really good... Because hang on. Well, hold on. That's the second part of this uh, question on on something we can go about. So I'm I'm glad you said that. Ben, go ahead. For the hand tool weenies that are out there, Patrick. Ben, Patrick. If you're having it, mouse pads you, by Patrick. If you're having it. If you're having a discussion about the purity of hand tools versus power tools or, or hand tools versus CNCs, what made your hand tool? If it was made by an automated machine, does that now make you a hypocrite? Man, another awesome segue. This is great. It all fits in exactly you know, to what he asked. Like, again, did some did some uh, Irish... Um, Man in the high country, dig some ore out of the ground and then take it to his hand-hewn forge and create this pull saw for you? Yes. No. no, a machine An stamped it out. Yep. An automated no. machine no. stamped this thing out. No. Some Neanderthal created what? it. <laughs> but you get my point, though. It's like no. you're going to sit there and argue about <coughs> the purity of hand tools when, uh, again, a machine probably made that hand tool. So it's like pot meets kettle. Jason, back to you. No, I liked where Sedge was going with that because he, he talks about, you know, dominoes versus hand-cut tenons. And this is a conversation that I wanted to have is that Sedge nailed it, right? If you're looking at a, at a piece, if it's not visible, who cares what type of joinery it is I, because you don't know what kind of joinery it is and the person that you're building it for will have absolutely no idea. Now, perfect. if I got you're perfect, doing it, I think segue. there's something more to it. What's that? I got a perfect... I think there's I got, something more to I it. I got a perfect segue to that. <laughs> well, you think there's something more to it if you were to do hand cut versus a machine? Uh, well, no, oh. I think there's something... <laughs> go ahead. Which, who are you talking to? Go, go. I'll okay. Wait. All right, so I think there's, I think there. Oh my god, <laughs> the internet delay is killing us right now. Um, I think that there's an ego reason behind why there's this this, this discussion for sure. Because you, Jason, you're saying, oh well, well I'm going to use a domino. Sedge says I'm going to cut my mortars and tenons. Sedge is going to use that as like, oh well, but I cut mine. That means that I'm a more skillful woodworker, correct? Because I cut my own. It's BS. It you doesn't know? matter if you're it selling. It means you have stuff. another no set of like skills. Open it up. Yeah, it's like crap talking stuff. It is. It's it's one upmanship at its best. Yeah. Here's one. Here's one that I will contradict myself. There's a there is a big difference between a hand cut dovetail because it's visible versus a machined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, oh yeah. 
Okay, so there's there's the other point. I agree. I learned early on, many many years ago. I have a friend over in the Bahamas. His Brian, his name is Brian Saint John Moss, master craftsman, and uh, he was buying a Craig jig, and I looked at him and I go, huh? You're not gonna do mortise and tenon? He goes, he goes, Bry. He's a, he's an Englishman. He goes, he goes, Bry. Do you think all these Egyptians? Or master craftsmen over in Europe, if they had a pocket hole jig and they were manufacturing, they'd use the pocket hole jig. I'm not a romantic. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm a businessman. Yeah. And I hate it when people put down pocket hole joinery because there's a place for it. If mm -hmm. somebody uses pocket hole joinery because they can't afford something, right? And I think we've discussed this before, but it gets them into mm -hmm. woodworking. I'm... Yeah. You know what I mean? There it is. Who said, Ben, you're right. It's ego. Well, oh, social media has killed the whole. I mean, that's what's perpetuated the whole pocket hole thing. Like, because you can tell every time somebody ever mentions it, no matter who it is, every single time somebody mentions a pocket hole, especially people with big accounts, immediately get into a defensive mode where they're explaining why you know, there's still a use for a pocket hole and, you know, this is what it's designed for. So that's what I'm going to Like, they feel like they have to justify it. Um, yeah. Stupid. And I, and, and I, I'm going to start, and a, I, I'm going to start an account called pocket hole professionals <laughs> where everything's done with pocket holes. I was talking to somebody once and he said, he, really derogatory. he said, Oh, po pocket hole. Pete. No, he called her, he called her a pocket hole queen. And I was just like, what? Yeah. It's stupid. I was like, come on, get off your freaking pedestal, dude. You ain't, you're kind of a hack yourself. But I'm not going to say know, the, that the best to way him. To, the best way to respond when people say that is just say, what do you mean? Yeah. And like, uh, wait, what? what? What, huh? No, uh, said you, you mentioned something about um, hand-cut dovetails versus machine-cut dovetails. And that's, a, I think a lot of it comes down to personal preference, right? And so... Mm -hmm. Like, I'll tell you right now, I don't like the look of hand-cut dovetails where you see the imperfections. I understand the reasoning behind it, and I understand why that's desired by some mm -hmm. and why that is kind of like a rite of passage type thing. But for me personally, if I was building something, I would absolutely want it to be machined because I'm going to look at those things, and I want it to be perfect and tight-fitting and, you know, and have those crisp edges. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I get why people do it. And then, then it's just personal opinion at that point. It's like, oh, that doesn't look good. Or, oh, my God, this is incredible. Look, they were hand-cut dovetails. You can see that. See all the imperfections still, how they left them there? It's, it really all is just boils down to a, you know, a personal opinion mm -hmm. on the matter. <clears throat> exactly. My argument is, though, if, if something is not visible, if something is not visible, it does not matter... <clears throat> at the end of the day, unless you're doing it for your own pride or you're charging somebody for some sort of experience, right? It makes no difference. It's not visible. It's not visible. So, like, why Why or, does it matter? Or, or if it's I not going to violate some, like, fundamental part of woodworking, obviously. Well, right. Well, but, like, let's say you're adding a stretcher between two ends on a table, right? And they're not through tenons on the end with, like, wedges. Um, you, you know, you're not doing wedged tenons on this table base, right? Pedestal table, whatever it is. Who cares, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who cares what, what it is? If you want to spend a whole bunch more time 
doing hand cut mortise and tenons and yeah, absolutely do it if that's what you mm -hmm. like to do but or you could just use a domino now if you would have said if we would have been having this conversation uh you know six seven years ago um i think uh, mark spagnolo has actually brought this up on their podcast i've even had it happen you know five six years ago people would say like oh look at this guy using the domino <laughs> Must be nice to have all that money and blah 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 oh. blah blah. Now, when he when he does a hand cut mortise and tenon on his videos, he gets tons of comments of like, "Why didn't you just use the domino?" So it's funny how that has shifted, right? It's flipped. Um, yeah. And, and the closest thing I can equate this to, like in woodworking, when we're talking about a CNC machine, you know, it's the new thing. I I had a certain feeling about it, and then I realized that it's just another tool. Uh, <coughs> ben, you'll appreciate this: the domino versus you know hand cut mortise and tenons. I was just telling this to Patrick and Michelle when they were here, and something came up about camelbacks. Ben, do you remember when camelbacks came out in the army? Oh, yeah. Everyone had them. Everyone. So like, everybody got with, them, but I remember like sergeant majors and stuff like freaking out, right? Because, oh, they're like, what's better than two one-quart canteens? Right. Why can't you just use that? Why can't you? It was not... It was not an army-issued item. It's this new thing. They're going to fight it to the death. And now in the army, if you don't have a camelback or you don't have your hydration system on you, you know, shame on you, right? It's it's such a normal thing now. But in the beginning, everybody fought it. Same thing applies here, well, it, which is why you see like, the transition um, from the domino and mortise and tenons. I think it was our first podcast. Maybe it was our second one where we talked about Imperial versus Metric. And Sedge was like, people are afraid of change. Yep. You know, absolutely. It's like they they're comfortable with what they know. And, and it's like, this is what's right. And then something comes along and says, well, this is better. And it's like, no, it's not. What I have is better. Mm. And then they start getting butt hurt. And they're like, no, that's why I think it dovetails are better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about one thing for just a couple of minutes. Um, okay. Okay. Because okay. I, I don't. I don't have much time left. We're all. We're all listening. We're all listening. We're all listening. We're here. I'm right here, Bend Jason. Here. Go ahead. Tell, Tell us. us. I think Tell I've us. told you guys, but I wanted to announce it publicly. <laughs> you remember I was telling you I was actually considering selling my CNC machine and getting a shaker. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. You texted me that. Sell me. Sell me or tell me why I would be able to get by with the shaper versus what I have now. S sell. Sell me so, on the shaper, Ben. So for the shaper, I would buy the entire kit. Just so do... you know, I would buy the workstation or the work center. I would buy the plate and I would buy the shaper all together because it would be less than what I would sell with, my CNC machine. <coughs> with the shaper, you can do, um, you can hit all three planes of your work, meaning you can stand a piece vertically and work into it. You can't do that with a CNC. Some you can, you can. only work you can't do on with your, mine. On, yeah, yeah, some, but the but what you have, you can't. Yeah. Um, it's, it is completely mobile space, right? It, it fits in a sustainer. Space it's going to be out of the way. Like space is always something that, that we all fight with, right? We buy more tools. It takes much more space. So you're going to save on space. You're not going to lose capacity. If anything, you're gaining capacity. I think that the only thing that you're going to lose by giving up the CNC is a bigger automated, uh, process. Whereas you right now, your CNC, depending on the size of what you're trying to make, you can do a little bit more. Let me take this. You can do faster production work with a CNC than you can a shaper because you, you have to move the unit, right? 
Whereas with the CNC, again, if you're doing, if you're producing in mass, if you're producing mass quantities of things, CNC is going to win hands down. But when it comes to fine detail stuff, when it comes to set up and tear down quickly, when it comes to scale, Shaper is going to win every time. Obviously, you're going to be limited by however much Shaper tape you have. But if you wanted to, to do a 45-foot route uh, dado through something, you could do it with a Shaper if you had enough tape. 100% you could do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, with I haven't used uh, the new software yet, the new labs, um, or whatever it's called, the, the design suite. I haven't used it yet. But I think that with a Shaper, you can you can move much more quicker from initial design or concept to execution. Um, because there's no, there, the setup process is so fast with the Shaper. Um, again, if you were doing production work, I would tell you to keep the CNC. If you're not doing production work, if you're doing a lot of one-off things, a lot of experimenting, a lot of ornate things, a lot of inlays, a lot of, I mean, just, it really is kind of limitless when you have a shaper. It 100% is limitless. All right. So now, um, because you just said that, I'll, I'll share because the people listening are going to be like, what? Why? Why would you get rid of a CNC? That's crazy. I don't do any production work. I have no desire to do any production work. And anything that I would create on my CNC, I absolutely could do with a shaper. And this would save me a ton of space. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking about and, it. And you know, and I also find the, the, or I also believe that the software and from an idea to actual con, uh, conception will be a million times easier than me using uh, Vectric. Hey, this is Ben inviting you to join our growing podcast community over on Patreon. As a member of our community, you'll get early and ad-free access to each episode, as well as invites to our monthly group call with the community. Also, you'll be able to participate in the direction of the show by submitting your questions for upcoming episodes. Use the links in the show notes below, and we'll see you on Patreon. Oh, absolutely. 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 It, th there have been so many times where I didn't even have to open my laptop to design something. I could just do it straight from the shape. And it and keeps then, getting the updates. It just keeps getting yeah. better and, and better it's, and, and it's, better. Yeah. On the, the shaper that they're designed, they have a, a design service that is web based. I can do it on my iPad. I can do it on my, my grandma's 20 year old computer. Like you don't have to have a, a certain chipset to run, um, the, the design software. Like, Jason, you had to buy a Windows laptop just to run your CNC. You don't have to do that with Shaper. And then I had to pay to buy for a laptop. Uh, Parallels to use my freaking software just so it yeah. wasn't freaking... You can, you can do everything from your phone. You can do freaking box joints from the machine itself. It is built in. Yep. And dovetails. All right, stop pressuring me. I'll buy the damn thing. Jesus. You could do hand-cut dovetails hey, with it. But... Let me send you my affiliate link. No, I'm just joking. I don't have it. Um, Shaper, if you listen, give me an affiliate I'll give you a okay. really good so reason. I'm going to do that. So, hey, too. anybody listening, if you're interested, if you're in the market for a uh, really nice Axiom CNC machine, um, hit me up. And now I just thought of something. Now that's where I can put my lathe. I've got the 220 there for Bingo. it. I've already got a dust collection drop for it, even though that doesn't really matter with the lathe, but it'll help. There we go. Boom. Bam. Man. Problem solved. Matter of fact, I can get a lathe and the shaper with all the cool accessories for what I saw that CNC machine. It's a $10,000 CNC machine. Yeah. I'm not going to sell it for $10,000, but. The workstation, the shaper plate, 
You got to get that. You got to get it. Dude, I'm doing it. It's so worth it. I'm doing it. I keep the seeing shaper, more people the using it. The shaper plate like, alone. This, I just, I don't need this. Shaper plate alone is, is the coolest thing that ever came out for that thing. It is so awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cool. All right. Well, you convinced Jason, me. Jason, do you have any, do you have any hateful comments for us this week? I don't know. I can only tell that to Hans. <laughs> It's Hans. Hey, hey, yo, Hans! Yes! <coughs> oh. Hi, hi, Jason. Hello. There is a word on, there is a word on the streets that there are some hatreds that needs to be... Hatreds. Hatreds that needs to be acknowledged. Hatreds. Yeah. Freaking love that. Yep, there is. Oh, here. I actually answered some comments today, so I've got three. All right. The first one's kind of boring, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> this is a, a cleaning a saw blade, a really old video I had, like super, super old. This guy first in the States works great. Wear some gloves. <laughs> okay. Um, this so was. So you don't get a cold. That's, that's why they want you to wear gloves. Yeah. So you don't catch a cold. Uh, this one is on my uh, Better Pocket Holes, period. Castle 110 uh, Pocket Hole Machine. You can buy the Craig Foreman for $300. Well worth it. Half inch to an inch and a half material. No one ever sees the pocket hole, so who cares if it's pretty? It's a six-degree pocket versus a 12-degree pocket. And then he went on to comment, $660 plus shipping for Castle that is limited to an inch and a quarter stock. $300 includes shipping for Craig Foreman with a max of an inch and a half stock. Okay, thanks for letting me know, buddy. All right. Signed, last Craig. Time. Jason, I, Jason, Jason I, I had a really good idea. What? Have you ever heard of the term Rickroll? What? Have you ever heard of the term Rickrolled? No. Okay. All right, this uh, this will be the last one that I read. Uh, <laughs> actually, I want to read this. Somebody, this isn't a hateful comment, but I wanted to read this to you. Um, I don't know who this is. Math, uh, oh, I, never mind, I don't want to say it. But they have a check mark next to their name, so they're apparently somebody official. They're official. Apply Rubio Monocote. Uh, <laughs> this person says, Ben is right. Jason can talk. Okay. Never gonna Saying give you're right. you up. Never gonna give you up. So uh, clearly, they're a, a podcast listener, or it's a friend of yours. But anyway, yeah, they probably listen to the podcast. All right. Um, okay, so this is the last one I'll read. Five woodworking joints for beginners. <laughs> this one says, "So no specialist tools needed to do these joints, but you show us how to do them using tools that an average person can only dream of." <laughs> only dream not not actually have just dream yeah. <laughs> i just look up rick rolled that is awesome nope jason you've never heard of the term rick rolled like oh i got rick rolled no but i got oh, the text you just sent so i'll check it out well it's it's a lot different in a text but i feel that if you responded with that link or any rick roll link to anyone that has these hateful comments, be like, hey, you know, you're right. I found this video that proves you, that proves that you're right. And just 
paste the Rick Roll link and so they click on it. It's just Rick Astley's music video. <laughs> They're gonna give you a... <laughs> I think that's how you should respond. To I should. I will. I'm gonna. Comments. I'm gonna copy that link and I'm gonna you put know, it in actually, my notes. I'm gonna start doing actually, it too. Yeah. A funnier, a funnier way to do this <clears throat> would be to have it link to an unlisted video. In the first five seconds, it's you, like head and shoulders talking, like, hey, I saw your comment, and I just wanted to say that, and then just cut to the Rick Astley. <laughs> never going to give you never up, gonna, never going to let Yeah. I should I just put an unlisted video, and it just fades in, you know, from black, and or, I just walk into my shop, look at the camera, and I go, F you. And then it fades out to black, and I walk No, away. I think... I think it should just be you just sitting in your shop, like with your flip flops on, and you have a, a jar of mayonnaise, and you're just like stirring it, yeah. <laughs> just staring at the camera. Maybe it like slowly pans in on your face, yeah. and you're just. <laughs> and they're gonna be like, they're gonna be like, what? 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 Is wrong with this guy? <laughs> what is wrong? You know what? That's a great idea. Or, that is an absolutely and, phenomenal idea. I'm gonna do something stupid like that. And then at the very. The very end, you like reach in the jar, you pull out a note, and then it says "fuck yes." You. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I'm totally doing it. You have Unlisted to. video. It'll just be on there for days. Yeah. Oh, good and you times. Just keep the link and then post it as a reply. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I gotta get upstairs to my boy. Yeah, I'm exhausted. Seth, thank Me you for too. the uh, topic. Yes, and it was great right, hanging with you too, Seth. Gentlemen, thank you so much for giving us your time and attention on this episode of the Green Suiters Podcast. Don't forget, if you want to enter the chance to win the MTRX from TSO Products, go to www.greensuiterspodcast.com. Go to the giveaway tab, enter information, and the first week in December, we'll draw the winner, which will not be Steve Iterola. Yep. We just want to make Sorry, that clear. It's, it is, it's company policy. Steve cannot win. Perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.